0: It was like, amen, when the spirit of the Lord moved on me and I danced and I shouted. Let me tell you, whatever pleasure is out there in the world, it's nothing compared to joy unspeakable and full of glory how the devil will absolutely torment you. Do you think you're going to go to hell and never feel tormented? Amen. You know what's going on in your mind right now. You know the pressure. You know the way the devil talks. You know the way the devil drives you. Amen. He tells you you cannot quit. You cannot get free. You cannot ever get rid of the devil. You cannot ever break the habit. Can you imagine what he will be like in hell. Amen. The number one main thing is to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, we must preach with a burden that the blood of Jesus Christ still cleanses from all sin. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Holiness Preaching Online podcast. Here is a great sermon from a great Pentecostal holiness preacher. In the St. Louis area this weekend. We stayed last night with the, the Mausers at the Mauser Hotel. That's in laws, uh, our daughter in law's parents, so we had a wonderful time with them and wanted to come by and be in service with you this morning. So we appreciate the privilege to be here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many glad you're saved this morning? Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Good to see Brother and Sister Brim and appreciate their life work, ministering for the Lord. and glad to see what the Lord is doing here. Appreciate the excitement about helping children find Christ and to be involved in bus ministry. We understand that quite well. It's a great challenge, but it'll pay off. We're doing what the Bible tells us to do, to take the gospel to the world. And sometimes we forget the world that is right around us. And so we appreciate your effort, appreciate the Spirit of God, and good to be in the house of the Lord today. First time I've seen many of you, so you'll spend a few minutes summarizing me and looking me over. Uh Let me get ahead of you by simply saying you probably know my son. And uh, years ago, we were always introduced that he was Ed Ralston's son. Now wherever I go, I'm Ryan Ralston's dad. So now you know who I am. And... Uh, I'd like to say he's a chip off the old block, but uh, we appreciate uh, the fellowship y'all have with him. And uh, so we we go way back, but uh, without uh, delaying and taking much time, let me call your attention. What would you say, sister? All right. I thought you said we go way back. I thought, oh, way back. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51, I'd like to read verses 9 through 13. Again, appreciate the honor to be here to stand in this pulpit. We'll try to exalt the Word of God. May the Lord bless brother and sister Brim and uh, their great work that they're undertaking here. And the Lord bless all of you that are a part of this assembly in Jesus' name. Isaiah chapter 51, verses 9 through 13. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Art thou not yet that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not yet which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over? Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I even I am He that comforteth you. Who art thou, thou? Thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of man which hath which shall be made as grass, and forgettest the Lord thy Maker that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready. To destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? Father, I thank you today for your infallible word. I trust that you'll help us say here this morning what needs to be said. Equip us and strengthen us to have the minds and the spirit of God that we can receive what is said in this sanctuary through your word. Help us to apply it to our hearts. Help us to be what we need to be in these last days. We'll ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Praise God. From this passage of Scripture, I'd like to use the thought today, making a comeback. Making a comeback. When we read the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah covers the time frame from 760 to 698 B.C. Isaiah had a ministry of approximately 62 years. And during this time, he's warning Israel of the judgment of God That is coming. We know when we read history that in 721 B.C., Israel, the northern kingdom, was destroyed by the Assyrians. That means for 39 years, Isaiah had been a voice that has lifted up the message of God to a people that had degenerated. The Bible tells us that after 39 years of preaching the word of God to Israel, that Israel still rejected God and was destroyed by the invasion of the Assyrians. My text finds us about nine years later. The landscape of Israel has changed tremendously. We have seen the political government fall apart. We know that there are many false prophets in the nation of Israel that are lifting up their voices in justification as to the way that Israel is living We know the priesthood has become polluted. So it is a very dark day in the time that Isaiah lifts up his voice. And it is a great challenge because we've seen the decimation of the nation of Israel. We've seen them fall apart. Ten of the twelve tribes are now in captivity and ruled by a foreign government. And two tribes are now hanging on and trying to follow after God. And so Isaiah says to them, awake awake he is trying to remind them of the word of god of the voice and the direction of god this passage of scripture to me parallels america we look at our land today and how many knows that we see a great decline in america you don't have to be saved very long to see the decline But those of us who've been saved a long time and those of us who've been alive for a long time realize today is not the nation that we once saw when we were young men and women growing up. We realize that prayer has been taken out of the school. We realize you can't mention God in many workplaces. You can't have your Bible in workplaces. So many things that have happened, yet America still thinks that it is as strong as it's ever been, and it is deceived, because the Bible is clear, righteousness exalts a nation. It is not Parliament, it is not the Senate, it will not be the elections in the fall that will get America on course, but it will be when the people of God realize that God has a plan for the church. And when we realize that America is not the America that it once was, then we'll see God give the promise to America that we see God is given to Israel. And so therefore we have a challenge today. I would say that Israel is needing to make a comeback. I would say that America needs to make a comeback. Do you realize that America was founded by those who came here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? We hear it said... That America is a melting pot and it is. That America is the last bastion of freedom where you can come and worship however you want to worship. That was not the way America was founded. America was founded on worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the early days of America you had to be a Christian to hold public office. Now, if you're a Christian and declare that, you'll almost be excommunicated out of a public office and so America is in a great need of a moral revival America has lost its willpower, and America has lost its moral compass. How many would agree with me that in America today, we see things that we never dreamed would take place? We recognize that America is in trouble, but let me bring it a little bit closer and say that in our churches, we need to make a comeback. The churches of the living God, I believe is a lighthouse and a citadel to proclaim the gospel of Christ and a lighthouse is built so that it may be a safeguard against a ship wrecking on the rocks. And the light always shines. So those who are at a storming sea can see the path to safety. But if the lighthouse moves with the winds of time or with the waves of opposition, then those who are in darkness and those who are on the tumultuous sea will never find their way safely home. And if your church or our churches in our movement begin to move and shift, these children that are coming in this bus ministry will not know the truth for it was all right last year and it's wrong today it was wrong last year and it's all right today they'll be so confused that they won't know what to do and so I believe that when we look at the text of Isaiah the first thing that I see is a plea to remember in verses 9 and 10. He talks to them and reminds them concerning the one that hath cut Rahab. You'll remember Rahab the heart and the city of Jericho and how God brought down Jericho by His mighty hand. In your life at some point, if you'll let the light in your memory come to the surface there was a time in your life when what you needed was walled from you. Uh, there was a situation in your life uh, and you needed the help of God uh, and God delivered. Uh, how many's ever had the hand of God deliver you and the power of God see you through? Have we forgot that it's not by might uh, and it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord? I'm telling you today that what we need uh, in America is a comeback. And what we need in our churches is a comeback. I've been in long enough to see the height and the depth in churches in my own life. And I need to be reminded of what God has done it to me. How many's ever had him come at the midnight hour? How many's ever had him come when they turned their backs on you? How many's ever had him come when you had church opposition? When you didn't know how he was going to deal with what you had to deal with? And the Lord stepped in. Have we forgotten that it wasn't our intellect and our human ability, but the power of God that led us and guided us and directed us Don't hand me a book of fairy tales Don't bring me a comedian to entertain me But give me a preacher who's on fire With the Word of God He'll help me He'll strengthen me And help me to make a comeback So I can help my church make a comeback So America can make a comeback He goes on to say This God has wounded the dragon The dragon was a symbol of Egypt. And so what he's talking about was not only the Lord who brought mighty Jericho into the control, but reminds them of the day that God brought them out of Egypt. Over 400 years of bondage. A few million people, and they're going to defy the most powerful man on earth. They had no weapons. They had no chariots. They had no armor. But how many knows? Israel, came out of Egypt. What I'm trying to tell you is this, that we need to remember how we started in the first place. We need to remember we prayed and we fasted and we sought God and God moved on the hearts of men. God moved on the hearts of judges. God moved on the hearts of politicians and moved and gave favor to the church. Oh, Egypt is a picture of sin. How many remember the day that God brought you out of sin? How many can remember right now the day or the night That the Lord saved you. I've learned this after all of these years. If I'll keep that phrase in my mind. If I'll never forget the day that He set me free. I'll never lose the original love. I'll never lose that first love. Oh, this is a great day. But it's not the best day of my life. Tomorrow I plan on having a great day. But it won't be the greatest day of my life. The greatest day of my life is when I knelt as a young man at an altar of prayer and gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. You young people that are sitting here today, the greatest day of your life will be when you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything changed. I came out of bondage and was set free. How many are glad you're free today? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free to explore the grace and glory of God. I'm free to explore the counsel of His Word and the Spirit of a living God. Our church, how many know we need to come back? I said, how many know that in the church world we need to come back? Do we believe it can happen? Well, remember Jericho in your life. It wasn't called Jericho, but it was a Jericho to you. It wasn't called Egypt, but it was an Egypt to you. And God God brought you through and God brought you out. I come to tell you this morning that it is the same God. i said it is the same God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my God and your God. And what God did, did then, He'll do today. You really believe it? Wave at me if you really believe it. Then He says, cross the Red Sea. There was no way to get across where they were at. Now, you did not have to cross the Red Sea to get into the land of Canaan. But it was a much further journey. You would have to go way on down out around to get to where they was going to go to at k Barnea. But you had to go through the land of the Philistines. And God knew that Israel was a young nation. And that if they tried to go through the land of the Philistines and saw they were people of war, they would want to turn and go back. God need to take them to Mount Sinai to give them the law, which is Word. When you get saved, you need to be instructed. You need to listen to what the pastor. Pastors, wife instructs. You're not ready to go to war. Before you ever get out there and fight the enemy, you've got to be equipped. And so Israel needed the Word of God. They needed the Law of God. And so what's God going to do? He takes them to the Red Sea. You see, Israel needed the Red Sea. They didn't realize it. But they needed that Red Sea. What are you talking about? You see, it revealed the miracle working power of God. And as they stood at the Red Sea, And the Red Sea parted. How many knows they walked across on dry ground and went to Mount Sinai and got the law of God. You might not think, that you need that Red Sea today. You might not think what you're going through today is needed in your life. But there's a God who knows what we need. But I'm telling you this. We look at the Red Sea in confusion. We look at the Red Sea in disbelief. We look at the Red Sea in defeat. When all God's wanting to do is show us His miracle work and power. Is there anybody in here besides me who needs some touch from God today? Is there anybody in here who needs a miracle work and power power of God, you're where you at so God can show you His power to convince you it won't be your power but it will be His power that brings you the victory how many can remember when the Lord ever healed you how many can remember when He provided a financial need how many knows the pastor has to have all the answers to every problem and riddle of life you have to be an attorney, an architect, a counselor, construction worker, a cheerleader. On and on it goes endlessly. And you walk into the hospital, unbelievable situation. What do you say? What do you do? Well, you don't get up on that morning to turn to page thirty five in a manual and say, Here's what you say today. You go in the name of the Lord. When you're standing there, you're waiting on the Holy Ghost. To give you what you need to say. This is not mechanical. This is not cut and dry. But we're led by the Spirit of God. I have found that when I stood in unbelievable situations and a knock of terror came to my door and pain and sorrow came into my living room, I stood there just believing all that had just transpired. What did I do? At that point in time, I felt the undergirding of the everlasting arms of God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad He knows who I am. Aren't you thankful you're saved today? We've let go too long. We've let down too long. We need to make a comeback. I said we need to make a comeback. I see the need of a revival in America. I see the need of a revival in our churches. But I see a need of a revival in a holiness movement. We need to remember if He's the God of Rahab. He's the God who wounded the dragon. And He is the God who crossed the Red Sea. How many will raise your hands right now and thank Him for what He's done for you? Just praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The plea to remember. The second thing is the promise to return. Verse 11 says, Therefore, therefore is a conjunction. Therefore connects the thought in verse 11 with 9 and 10. And if I will remember. I said if I will remember, therefore. Here's what God will do. He said the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be redeemed. To redeem means to buy back by the pain of a price, or to loose from bondage by the pain of a price. How many are really glad you're saved today? How many are glad sin no longer reigns in your mortal body, but you're free by the power of God? He says that the redeemed, those who've been set free, those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, those who've been purchased at the forum, the slave market of sin, and been set free, those the redeemed shall return. Now, shall is an affirmative. It not only is a positive declaration, but it's a futuristic promise. Remember when we studied the language in English? We loved all of the future tenses. Shell is future tense. It had not happened yet. There are those who stand around and say, I don't see a move of God. I'll tell you what, the evangelist and the pastor sees a move of God long before the church does. He sees it in his soul. He sees it in his spirit. He sees it in his heart. And Isaiah says, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. What's he excited about? He knows what's coming, and you don't know what's coming. He knows the promise of God, and we have forgotten the promise of God. I don't know how long you've been praying for whatever you've been praying for, but the Lord shall answer. Woo! How's you praise Him a while? Why don't you thank Him? Glory to God. who The redeemed of the Lord shall return. We've got to hear it. We've got to believe it. We've got to confess it. We've got to act upon it. And so the return of the redeemed will be a reality. He said, they will come with singing and desire. Everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Not only is there the plea to remember and the promise to return, but there is the presence to rejoice. I wouldn't give you a nickel for something that I could not feel. I learned I don't go by feeling, but how many like to feel what you feel? I like the presence of God. You see, emotion is one of the motions of Pentecost, as well as locomotion. Locomotion. Emotion is the power that drives Pentecost. But emotion is the feeling that goes with Pentecost. And it means you agitate. It means to stir up. What are you excited about? I'm excited about the promise of God. I'm excited about the Holy Ghost that I feel in my heart. Let me tell some of you young Christians just getting started. There'll be somebody come along and say, After a while, you'll grow tired and weary. After a while, if fire will burn low. After a while... The flame will flicker, but it won't burn out. After a while, you'll just take it all casually and for granted. That's a lie. You can get saved as a teenager and stay on fire for God all of your life if you want to. The devil doesn't have enough power to bind us if we don't want to be bound. I'm now saved today. I'm blessed for the blood of the flesh. I'm dead for the name of Jesus and the power of the cross. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They shall come rejoicing. They have prophesied earlier the joy of the Lord that we shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Joy is the bucket with which you draw from the presence of God. You need to let down the bucket. I said you need to repair the ropes. Hallelujah. Well, well, you've been through, I've passed for 20 stuff, over 25 years. A lot of other stuff. You ought to just sit down and quit now. Oh, no. You've went through enough church problems and splits to uh, just take it. No. No, no, no. Because people act up. Don't mean God's acted up. Because people can get ugly. it's burned up. I can't believe this. Look at it. I didn't know Illinois had been hit that hard. Over in Ohio, southern Ohio, we haven't been hit too bad. We had some dry spill, but nothing like this. Miles and miles and miles. Oh, I saw brown corn fields. Some farmers took a hit for sure this year, but I thought I don't want to be as brown and as dry as the husk of that corn, i want something new every day i want something new every morning what about you glory to god hallelujah praise the lamb of god they shall return how many know a comeback is promised why don't you lead a comeback in your family why don't you step out and say i don't care how tight the word of god is i don't care what the pastor says i'm lining up for the word of god going to lead a revival in my family. I'm going to make a comeback in my family. Pastor, I'm a candidate It says first you must remember and then he says believe the promise to return and the presence to rejoice will be yours and then verses 12 and 13 there's power to rule i wouldn't give you a nickel for emotional experience that didn't leave you with power there's a lot of folks singing all over the place and running the aisles that do not have enough power to live above sin i don't want any of that now you could train a monkey to be excited. You could train anything to get all emotional. That's right, Pavlov proved that with his experience with the dogs. When, I'm not calling anybody here a dog, I'm simply using it as an illustration. What he did was stimuli and response. He took some dogs and, and right before it was time for the dogs to eat, he would ring a bell. Well, you know, when you get ready to eat, how many notes before you ever eat, sometimes your mouth starts to saliva. It gets some saliva in it. How many know your enzymes start to begin to move around a little bit. You're, you're already psychosomatically preparing to receive the food that you're going to ingest. And, and after a period of time, he observed the dogs and he realized that these dogs, when he rung a bell, they started to, to saliva, get saliva in their mouth before the food ever came. It was a stimulus and a response. I don't know about you, but there is a false sound in the world today. I said there's a false spirit in the world today, and there's people chasing after it, and they follow after it, and they say, look at our number, look at our crowd. We got the best praise this, praise that, praise the other, worship this, worship that, and the other, when the settle, the, the dust settles, the panic which playing the drums stop, the guitars are turned off. They do not have power. God was going to not only bless them, but He was going to give them power. It's one thing to enter into the land of Canaan. It's another thing to occupy the land of Canaan. Now, I'm glad we can be victorious. I said I'm glad we can be overcomers. All oh, churches in Revelation 2 and 3, a promise is given to them that overcome. And so God says... If you and surrender to the voice of the prophet. Uh, you shall return. And you'll come in the presence of rejoicing. And there will be power to rule. He said, I am you the comfort. I am he that comfort you. Who art thou? That thou shouldest be afraid of a man that should die. And of the son of man which shall be made as grass. And forget us the Lord thy maker. That has stretched forth the heavens. And laid the foundations of the earth. And has feared continually every day. Because of the fury of the oppressor. As he were ready to destroy it. And where is the fury of the oppressor the psalmist said the lord is my life and my salvation i will not be afraid of what man can do unto me i'm glad to tell you the psalmist said again and god have i put my trust i will not be afraid of what man can do unto me greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and god designed his church to be a victorious church, to have power, to rule. What good was it to be in Israel if they were under the control of the Amalekites and the Amorites? And what good is we proclaim a Pentecostal experience if we don't have the power of God to to bring the flesh under subjection? You can sit in a Pentecostal church, die lost and go to hell. You can proclaim a Pentecostal experience, die lost and go to hell death of your soul if it's in the bedrock of your soul, all the devils in hell cannot defeat nor destroy you because of the power of God that worketh in us. I believe it's a same. what Grandpa, Grandpa priests was right, what they experienced at Cripple Creek, Lost Creek, and all the other brush armor meetings is exactly right. And we have a generation that knows not God. We have a generation who wants to do their own thing, and the church is crippled. But I believe if there's somebody who will say... Hey, 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 I want to be a part of a comeback. I want to be a part of a comeback. God, what do you want me to do? What should I do? Where should I start? If you'll seek the Lord, He'll reveal it to you. Wouldn't you have thought 39 years of preaching from Isaiah, not men like us, that they would have heeded, but they didn't. Wouldn't you have thought that nine years after the destruction of the northern kingdom, they'd all been sanctified holy and serving God, but they weren't. And the prophets preached another hundred and six years, and the southern kingdom didn't repent. As a matter of fact, Benjamin and Judah, the southern kingdom, Said, We are the people of God. We have danced in the street of the city of David. And Jeremiah lifted up his voice and said, You're going to go into captivity. They didn't like it. Never been popular. Preach the gospel. They didn't like it. So they rewarded him by throwing him in a dungeon in the Maury Clay. He was rejected by the king. He was rejected by the leaders. He was rejected by the other prophets, not the true prophets of God, but the other prophets. He was rejected by his countrymen. He was rejected by his family. And all alone in a dungeon, he said, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm going to turn in my credentials. I quit. But he said, I grew weary with forbearing and could not stay. And then I like this part. His word was shut up in my heart. hallelujah his word was shut up in my heart like fire shut up in my bones I grew weary forebearing and I could not stay he preached himself out of that dungeon what I'm trying to tell you is that God has given us power to rule and when they all turn away, and they all reject, and Israel said, there's no way we're going to be destroyed. We're the people of God. And you cross this country, Brother Brent, and there's people saying, no way, we're the church of the living God. No way, no way. And you warn them of judgment and of falling away, and they don't hear you. Jeremiah said, I hear the snorting of the horses at Dan. Dan was a northern tribe. What he was saying is the enemy is at Dan, and the enemy is coming. Oh, no, God will deliver somehow, some way. God will move. God will manifest his power somehow, some way. We're in the city of David. God's always moved. God's over intervened. Was there a Babylonian captivity or not? They went into captivity. America has a false sense of security. We think we're all right. When we get in trouble, we run back real hard and we uncover a few words of the first president or two and some of the leaders who formed the Constitution and said, See there, see there, see there that's what we don't believe that. America doesn't believe that. It's far removed. It's far removed from the founding doctrines of our nation. And churches, oh, when we get in trouble, we'll run back to our charters, and we'll run back to our constitutions. See this see there? It's on paper only. We don't believe it either. We don't believe it either. What you live and manifest is what you really believe. Huh? It's exactly right. We tell everybody about what we don't do, but what are we doing? People talk about on a diet, I don't eat this, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. What you don't eat doesn't impact you. What you do eat does. And I told him, if you sneak around and eat taking ice cream, you can lie all you want. I'm going to see the evidence of taking ice cream in your body. How many of us, what comes in is what's going to be manifested. So we can talk piously if we want to. And we don't want to admit the fact that the church is falling on hard times in many places if we don't want to. But it's a telling all over the place. We're not where we should be. And not, should not be intimidated, but some kind of a movement that's built on emotion only. What we need to realize is, I need to make comeback. I need to make a comeback. I need to make a comeback. Are you closer to God than you've ever been in your Christian life? If not, you need to make a comeback. Preach on the nation, Brother Rawson. I'll amen. Preach on them liberal churches. I will. Wait a minute. I'm talking to you. As a matter of fact, I reference Revelations 2 and 3. There are seven churches of Asia. Five of the seven churches the Lord condemned and He told them to repent. Five of the seven needed to repent. Only Smyrna and Philadelphia were commended. The other five needed to repent. What if he went through the greater St. Louis area saying five out of seven churches, you need to repent? What would happen here in Bethel Chapel? Would we be all right or will we need to repent? What if he started through this congregation today and five out of every seven of us, he said you need, we, need to repent? When you bring it home, how many know it's a different story? I realize I need to get closer to God than ever before. And even ministers you have fallen by the wayside some who's been in a long way have fallen by the wayside but I come to champion the faith today I come to declare the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today I come to tell you his name will ever be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same his name shall be praised and God will have a people who will preach and proclaim and practice his righteous message I plan on beating that number what about you If you're not there, then why don't you purpose in your heart today that you're going to make a comeback. I haven't really evaluated this audience. You've pretty well summed me up by now, I'm sure. But what I see across America in our churches is a vacuum or a void from about 25 to 50 years of age. There is a vacuum. We have the older saints who are still trying to persevere and keep it together. And we have pastors working with young people trying to, trying to get them in, get them trained so we can keep it going. But there's a vacuum. About every pastor that I preach for tells me the middle age, I can't do anything with them. They're not interested in church. They're the baby boomers. They're interested in their agendas. They're interested in their programs. They want to support the church, and we got a vacuum right there. Do you realize we're only one generation away from extinction? If my children don't follow this way, it's over. If their children don't follow this way, it's over. One writer said, tell me the values of your young people under 25, and I'll tell you the destiny of your nation. That's why we must train young people, instill in their hearts and life to ensure that this glorious message will be perpetuated but there's a falling out of the ranks. There's people like demons who pursue the pleasures of this world, the cares of this life, and we've got this vacuum and void. If you fit in that age bracket, we need to see you move forward in the name of the Lord. Whatever age you may be, we see, need to see you move forward in the name of the Lord. But that is a critical time, and we have a generation that knows not God, and it's just like the last verse in the book of Judges. There arose a generation They did that which was right in their own eyes. You don't think it's bad in conclusion of where uh, Brother Ryan pastors, there was a man has a good job, office job. How many remember 9-11? How could we forget? When 9-11 happened in his office, work area, the supervision and everybody got together and they prayed. Last year, They came around his workplace and he had a picture of his wife and his family. And they said, you must take that picture of your family off your desk and out of the workplace. He said, why? It may offend those who live in a non-traditional way. In other words, it may offend the homosexual. You got a family and he doesn't. Yes, sir. Where in America do we need to come back? Communists can teach in public schools and they won't let Christians in. We need to come back. We need to come back in America. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to tie a knot on the end of the rope and hold on Jesus comes. He's not looking for people hanging on the end of a rope. The Bible said we'll go sweeping through the gates. If we tie a knot on the end of the rope and hang on, we don't believe our own message. And I'm convinced there's a lot of men preaching a message that they don't even believe. They've just heard it all their life and they're just preaching. I'm not condemning them, but what I'm telling you, if you believe it, We'll see it. If you believe it, it'll be manifested. How many really believe that we can have a comeback? How many really believe it? How many to get closer to God today in your life? These are unparalleled days. We're fighting spirits that have been turned loose on America that wasn't here even 25 years ago. Who would ever thought we'd have a debate about abortion? Who would have even thought that the, 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 the in-conclusion? Conclusion. Sometimes when I say in-conclusion, I do two or three in-conclusions to get it all in. All right? You summarize me up. 1973, Roe versus Wade was the worst decision in American history. And look what's happened since 1973. Now, I believe that it's an individual walk, but I also believe that God blesses nations. And I don't believe there'll ever be a national revival in America until Roe v. Wade is overturned. We have lost our moral compass, and we got leaders who have no courage, and you won't hear about abortion, homosexuality, and a lot of our meetings either. lot not new people go to shouting the Catholic Church is the greatest spokesperson against abortion. It ought to be Pentecostal holiness people who say it's a murder and it's a degradation, and until we fight to have that reversed, how can we make a comeback when that is the standard and permissible in America? How many know what I'm talking about? More babies have been killed than all the lives of all of our soldiers in all the wars in the history of America. How can we shout and go on and say, "Man, we're doing all right with God"? When abortion, homosexuality, and this rampant is in our streets? God called the church to be the standard and the lighthouse to set the moral guidelines to a lost nation. And America has lost its way, and our churches are more interested in being politically correct than spiritually correct. If we'll forget about moral correctness and forget about politics and say, God moved in my life, and my church, until we do, we won't make a comeback. But just as sure as I'm standing here, it can... Inclusion, if we'll seek God and we'll hunger after God and pour our heart after God, God will allow America and our churches to make a comeback. How many would like to see it different in your home? Will you stand? How many would like to see it different in America? Would you stand? How many would like to see it different in your church? Would you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The landscape of Israel was littered with debauchery, rebellion, and ungodliness. In the darkness of that hour comes a voice saying, remember, you shall return. You'll come singing, and you'll have power to rule when you get there. You'll be the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. How many want that for your life, your family, your church? Our nation and a lost world. There are those who believe it's too late. Can't be reversed. It's too late. Nothing to be done. As long as there's breath in our body, as long as these lights are burning, as long as this message is preached from this pulpit, there'll always be hope. (sighs) Always be hope. I can make it come back. You can make it come back. First thing you have to do is admit you need to come back. You have to confess, I'm not where I should be. And that's hard to do. We tell the sinner he's got to confess to be saved. But, oh, it's hard to get a Christian to confess he's not where he used to be. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know they say confession's good for the soul. That's usually somebody else's soul, isn't it? That's usually their soul. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So I leave you the word of the promise of Isaiah. They made a comeback. They stopped their ears. American can make a comeback, but it's stopping its ears. You can make a comeback in your church, your community, in this area. Don't stop your ears. You can make a comeback in your family. Don't stop your ears. You can make a comeback in your own personal walk. Don't stop your ears. It's unanimous. Everybody agrees. We need to make a comeback. One more time, shout the victory shout that you used to shout. Father, I appreciate you and thank you for the privilege to stand in this sacred pulpit to speak to the people of God. We can readily see that in America, won under Great oppression. Islamic fascism is sweeping the world, being on destroying anything that doesn't agree with this diabolical, treacherous teaching. The only thing that can repel Muslim and Islamic fascist is the true gospel of the cross of Christ. And a praying church who will rise to the challenge. I don't want this generation's blood on my hand. You and I cannot help what happened two generations ago. We weren't here. But I'm responsible for my generation. And you're responsible for your generation. I love God. I love His people. I love the men of God. I like those who are championing the cause of righteousness. I love those who live this righteous way. I'm on their side. I want them to win. I believe we're right, Brother Brim. I believe this is the holy way. I believe this is the right way. You need to pray for those who are fighting a good fight of faith. Pastors are shot from every side. Their wives and their children are hammered from every direction. If she leads the women, she's too bossy. If she's not involved, she don't care about the church. If you don't do this, you don't do that. You don't do the other. And we forgot our purpose and our calling and our calls. Thank God for leadership you have. Thank God for the standard of righteousness that's presented you should applaud it, appreciate it and submit to it but it's what will bring a comeback I said it's what will bring a comeback to my dying day I'm going to preach with the fervor that I have, the strength that I have and God's help for a comeback a comeback how many like the taste of victory I like victory a whole lot better than defeat I rejoice and run around the building and outside the parking lot when I see somebody get saved, pulled out of darkness into light. Why don't you young people say, hey, I'm going to be a part of a comeback. I'm going to let God use me. I'm going to let God use me. What about some young people that say, raise your hand. and say, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to let God use me. You can do it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. Some of the greatest revivals I had in my entire ministry was through young people. Young people are honest. They don't play games. They just come right out and tell you. They don't like hypocrisy. They're honest and sincere. And you can have revival if young people get on fire. And I saw the old gray beards, come around a little later on when they saw the young people on fire. So don't you young people, don't you underestimate your importance in this church. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. You may be leaders tomorrow, but you're the church right now. How many hands did I get? Young people, you want to be part. You want to be part of a comeback. You want to be part of a move of God. How many middle age? you want to be part of a move of God? Uh, does that mean the rest of you are old? Years and years ago, my pastor ran into a buzzsaw. They divided the women's class. And they called it the junior and the senior ladies. Whoa. There was some 75 in the junior ladies. They weren't about to say they are the senior lady. I've had a swallow of pride. I'm Brother Rawston Sr. That means there's a junior somewhere pushing me up. And when they push me up, I say, son, you're older than you used to be too. So they said, ladies one and ladies two. Got rid of the junior and the senior. Always a way. Don't underestimate. I don't care if you're 90. You know what you need to do? Read about those your age who've done something for God. If I'm 90 and all I can do is sit in a wheelchair and amen the preacher. Put me up front. Put me up front. Are you committed to this cause or not? I said, are you committed or not? I'm old. They say, you're too old to do what you do. Find what you can do. But Robert should say, I, if all I can do is gumming, I'll gum the devil to death. But I'm going to do something. If all you can do is shake hands, write cards, whatever it is, or something for everybody to do in the church. Don't sit down. Don't let nobody put you on the shelf. Do something for the kingdom of God. How many know what I'm talking about? God, I I thank you for this day. Oh, God, I appreciate an opportunity to witness to these folks about Christ and make it a comeback without any further delay. I believe the altar is the place, the critical place for the saint of God. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost at an altar. And so as we come today, God, I'm not sure. Uh, how things are, are in proceeding, but I, I invite to come to the altar. The altar is where we meet Christ in a special way. You can read a thousand books about the Holy Ghost, but you'll learn more about the Holy Ghost at an altar And you will read the book. And i got thousands and thousands and thousands of books. You'll learn more about Christ and died out to the flesh at an altar than you will anywhere else. So without any further delay, you've agreed with me, let's step out in the aisle. You all said you want to come back. Let's step out in the aisle. Let's make our way to an altar. We'll pray with you. Somebody will pray with you. We'll strengthen you. We'll encourage you. Coming to an altar don't mean you've sinned. Coming to an altar means you're coming into the very presence and the throne room of God. You're seeking His presence. You're seeking His counsel. If you've got arthritis in your knees, which I know about, just stand. Don't kneel. Just stand in His presence. But let's come and let's worship the Lord. Whatever you have need of, you don't have to take no for an answer. You don't have to take defeat for an answer. You don't have to write it off and say there's no use. Hallelujah! Just come on up and stand. Come on and go pray with us. to turn the hearts of man. We need to hear from heaven once again oh we need to hear from heaven oh a sound of a rushing wind we need to feel the fire the kind that burns out sin we need a holy ghost revival to turn Thank you for tuning in to Holiness Preaching Online Podcast. If you would like more information about sending sermons to us, please send them to holyliving.dylan, that's D-Y-L-A-N, at gmail.com. That's holyliving.dylan at gmail.com. Always feel free to contact us. Once again, thanks for tuning in to our podcast.